Welcome to the Two Stewards Show. The last two episodes were about the history and characteristics of money. This time, we look at the symptoms of bad money. What happens when the government controls the money? Government, banks, hyperinflation, theft, insolvency, freezing accounts, unnecessary wars. What does it feel like to live through this stuff? And this is a serious conversation, folks. There will be no laughter on this episode in somber solidarity for all underfunded government entities, collapsing central banks, and weakening corporate giants. So, if you are feeling the feeling of utter helplessness, then probably don't listen. I'm just going to let this episode speak for itself. Hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Stewards Show. Uh, my name is still Mark, and your name is still... Brent. Okay, good. We're doing good. A little bit of stability here. <laughs> and uh, we're going to continue on our, um, our rant. At least there's stability in something, eh? Yeah, that's, it's, yeah, you need it somewhere. Yeah, not the money system. No. Nope. At least the Two Stewards Show <laughs> is always there for you, putting up high-value content... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, high value. That's debatable. <laughs> we store our shows on a USB stick. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if we've quite filled one up yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's very low density of information. <laughs> All right, we're going to try to jam some information into one of these episodes so people can take it away and go, you know what? I actually learned something from Mark and Brent. One of these days. Yeah. One of these days. We're working up to it, right? It's been <laughs> yeah. since... Uh, what, March, February? Yep. Oh, man. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. But yeah, let's keep talking about money. Okay. Let's keep talking about <laughs> bad money. Yeah. Last time we talked about some really exciting material, uh, the history of money, right? So kind of laid a bit of the groundwork. Mm-hmm. Quite important, right? To know where we came from, what we're doing. And yeah. Then we talked what about is the, money? Yeah, qualities of money? Properties of money. Um, and then this time, we're going to kind of get into... Because yeah, we talked about what like bad money could do a little bit, but we want to kind of delve into that more. Yeah. Um, if if the money's broken, or if um, you know people people choose to use money that's not necessarily um, the best thing to choose, mm-hmm. right? What could happen? And uh, yeah, discuss that for a little while. Yeah, I'm all for it. Okay. So uh, <laughs> what happens, Brent, when you use bad money? <laughs> Well, what could st- happen? Yeah, you start crying, and um, <laughs> um, I think one of the uh, one of the we're going to uh, do this whole episode without mentioning the word inflation. By the way, oh, uh, except for right now, yeah, when we talk about hyperinflation. Okay, <laughs> we use that word so much, inflation. Yeah, I know, but it's an <clears throat> important concept for people to know. Yeah, why money our money is uh, not sound. But yeah, let's talk about hyperinflation for a second because okay. that's one of the um, one of the boogeymen that people often cast when we're talking about uh, unsound money yeah. and what can happen with fiat currencies, right? Yeah. So hyperinflation uh, technically is is set at fifty um, percent per month. So a fifty percent. Like that's price, how you would define. That's how it's defined. Okay. Yeah, a fifty percent rise in prices. And, you know, that could be however you define it, but generally a a basket of goods, general prices um, per month. Per month. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, even 50% per year would be, uh, to me, that's pretty bad. But when you're talking about hyperinflation, it's 50% per month. And that just compounds and it gets worse. It doesn't stay at 50%. It gets exponentially worse, right? So, so, so yeah, the price of goods at the store all of a sudden next time is, what, one and a half? And then the next month, it's even like one and a half on that. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, I mean, there's, you have examples, right, of uh, like Weimar we're, Germany. We're is, already um, scaring people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so we're not saying this is going to happen. No. Yeah. That's maybe something um, to make clear here. Too, right? Because there's a lot of conspiracies out there. And yeah, we're not. Quite, and I mean, I love me a good conspiracy theory. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have my doubts about our money system. But uh, yeah, hyperinflation, will it happen in the U.S. or Canada? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, but We're it is instructive. not going to make predictions here on this podcast one way or the other. Oh, I'll make bold predictions, Brent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wild predictions. Um, 
No, but it's instructive to look at what what could happen. Like, what are some of the the sort of the worst results of uh, of fiat money? Um, so yeah, hyperinflation, Weimar Germany in the twenties, right? They had, um, and there's a lot of different reasons for that, but <clears throat> a lot of them were tied back to the First World War, which Germany lost. Uh, huge amounts of reparations of financial debt was placed upon Germany by the other countries in order to cripple Germany. So that, yeah. w- like, you know, a little bit of vengeance it's like, there. Hey, we won, you lost. So now pay for everything. Well, and also you'll never be able to field an army again because you're going to be so poor for so long right. that... Uh, just trying to pay us back, right? And uh, yeah, you had uh, these examples of like a guy would go buy a coffee. I think it was for, you know, 5,000 marks. Right. And then he went back to buy another coffee and it had increased in that time to 14,000 marks. Right? Right. Just, uh, and yeah, so you hear these stories, right? Of people with wheelbarrows full of cash in different situations, right? Because it just becomes so incredibly, yeah, just so worthless. It's worth less and less until it's worthless. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll tie this back to the last episode where we talked a little bit about some of the monetary technologies that people used in the past, different um, societies, right? Yeah. So like one was glass beads, right? And we talked about how... Uh, inflating the supply of those could all of a sudden destroy the society, right? So that would be an example of um, money that was chosen by those people in that area and then complete, like the supply, I guess you could say hyperinflated, right? Because, um, you know, if if you come over with a big giant ship or a convoy of ships from Europe and dump off all these glass beads on uh, on the shore and say, give me all your goods, like the price of things is going to go up. Yeah. Quite significantly, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so that might be an example of like historical um, hyperinflation, maybe. Um, but more modern um, times where we have money, uh, like based on um, like fiat money. Yeah. Right. Um, I think there's more examples we can point to. Yeah. And they're more, maybe more like, relevant because they're within our lifetimes. And Yeah. People say, well, Germany in the 20s, like that was like, a different time. It was a war. New, like, yeah happened then right but no we have lots of recent examples um like south america has had a number of countries you know within living memory certainly uh chile in the 70s was one um again that's like you know that's 50 some odd years ago right but we can go to zimbabwe 2007 we can go to venezuela 2017 yeah Um, wow not very long ago no and people will often write, like, say, well, yeah, but those, yeah, that's like third world countries, right? Where this kind of stuff will happen. But, like, Zimbabwe was not a third world country. Venezuela was not a third world. Venezuela was a wealthy country. Was. Zimbabwe was a major um, <clears throat> commodities producer in uh, in Africa, right? So and, why, why would that tip and why would they go from... Cause Everybody kind of admits that there's inflation and yeah. uh, even here in Canada where we're recording, um, you kind of, like the whole system set up, you know, we're going to maintain 2% inflation. Great. You know, let's do that. And why is it 8% or why is it what you said is 8%, but it's actually maybe 15 or 20% on some things yeah. or more. I don't know. Right. Um, but why is it that in some countries that might be not third world countries or whatever, like developed countries, they could have all of a sudden hyperinflation happen do you have an answer for that (laughs) yeah i mean there's there's lots of different reasons right so you want to talk about zimbabwe um and so i I, you can just like just look this stuff up right you can google it it's the information is there we're we're not making it up right i make a lot of stuff up but not this (laughs) i can tell by your jokes (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah zimbabwe you had um yeah, hyperinflation. So, you know, I'll just sort of an official um, explanation. The country experienced several periods of drought and a following reduction in GDP, right? And there's a little right. more behind that, right? There was sort of nationalization of a lot of farms or expropriation of a lot of farms. Yeah. Um, basically from people who, like from experienced farmers. Um, by the government. By the government. Some ideal, ideological reason. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, a lot of it had to do with uh, uh, conf- like um, race conflicts, right? right? A lot of the farmers were white, 
and uh, the government said, hey, you guys are treating black people poorly, you're treating the native, like, um, yeah, whatever, the rightful people of this country, never mind, like, a lot of these white farmers were born there, but, um, yeah. and, you know, we, we don't necessarily need to get into that, but basically you had, um, basically all the farms went from experienced farmers to inexperienced farmers. Yeah, and so then yeah, you had some drought. The same yeah, the, when you had the drought, that was just disastrous, right? You, you had people who had no idea what they're doing with farms and farming, and um, basically, like, they're it just it crashed, right? They're produ- and a lot of the production, their GDP was based on yeah. farming. So you set up like the government makes some decisions to kind of set up a uh, unstable, instable unstable yep. economy and then all of a sudden they get hit with an external force they can't control like a natural event yeah and uh-oh <laughs> yeah so they had to start where are all the experienced farmers yeah. who need them yeah exactly <laughs> turns out people need to eat <laughs> yeah, exactly so they had to borrow more the government started spending more right, right? um just a little bit out of touch with reality but when you can print money you can do this but sometimes what happens is what happened there right Government started printing money, had to print more and more money, had to print more and more money, and like it was just a, a ridiculous, um, yeah, like ninety-eight percent inflation a day. Uh, How much? Ninety-eight percent inflation per day for a, for a short period of time. Well, for uh, <laughs> well, this curve is like a hockey stick, like right? two years. It's uh, it's yeah. just kind of this whoop. Yeah. yeah, because inflation builds on previous inflation. Yeah, it's not like yeah. That's important for people to keep in mind too. Right? Well, and that's even why you now, get the hyper. Yeah, even now, like inflation at two percent, it doesn't mean that prices go up two percent this year and then next year they just stay the same. It's like no, they compound on top of the last year's growth another two percent. Exactly. So when you have hyperinflation, it's like that gets away from you pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, it just totally does. You said we weren't going to talk about inflation, Brent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and here we are. So. um so yeah, that was Zimbabwe. You had Venezuela it. had a similar thing, right? Venezuela going from a rich, I mean, a relatively wealthy country to now like it's it's not, right? Um, and what happens, right? Standard of living goes down. Um, companies stop producing. People <sighs> yeah. lose jobs, right? You have we talked about this a little bit offline too, right? Price caps, right? Yeah, and those sorts of things we should get into because. Um, it's one thing to just talk, talk about this like hypothetically, you know, in some other country, but I think we should try to put ourselves in the boots of like somebody living through this. Just sandals, as, maybe. Was that in their sandals? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to try to try to feel what it was like or what it would be like to live through hyperinflation, because like for us, we never experienced this. I don't know. You're pretty old, so maybe you've lived through <laughs> hyperinflation before. <laughs> but what, uh, what kind of currency? Yeah, I don't know. You maybe talking the, beads, gold, yeah, salt, paper? I don't know. You're probably the cattle era. <laughs> you look like a cattle herder. Is that even a thing? Is that a sheep herder? Um, so, like, what might it feel like to live through hyperinflation? Just kind of just do a thought exercise on. Um, yeah, like what sorts of things happen in society when uh, like prices go up, right? Okay, we might understand that, right? If I'm in my house and I know that if I get off the couch and I want to go get some groceries at the grocery store and let's say I want to eat steak for dinner, I can expect it to be four times as much as last week or whatever the rate of hyperinflation is, right? Yeah. But I think you got to back up. And, am I actually sitting on a couch? Do I live in a house? Is the electricity on? Like, do I have clean water? Like all those sorts of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't think like, if you look at the, mo- like just the money aspect of it, you can kind of do the math, but it kind of makes it more like this sterile thing, right? Like the money went up and, or like the money supply went up. So the money went down in value and everyone scrambled to try and buy stuff. Yeah, it's like a, that's very a very simplified, sterile picture. Yeah. Like, oh, and then eventually it resolved. So, yeah. so why are we talking good. about this? Yeah, like, like no, everything was not good. <laughs> so, like, what sorts of things happen? I think um, so. One example is underfunded social institutions, right? So, if people are relying on government to fund whatever programs, right? Yeah, and all of a sudden uh, the money supply massively increases and inflation's through the roof, like the government's kind of forced to not 
fund certain things and yeah. like they, they, they have limited supplies or resources so they have to focus on okay uh which is funny they probably focus on maintaining control yeah right because yeah. so that there's a little bit of peace and whatever so and military yeah so the military and the, maybe the law enforcement right but they might like go of all the social programs and all the stuff that more like uh, supports directly supports people who in need right yeah and those those are the sorts of things that probably start to go first so right there you can see okay if if a large percentage of people who currently rely on government services all of a sudden don't have any of that what happens are they yeah. frustrated are they annoyed are they <laughs> upset are they are they gonna steal yeah are they gonna steal Do they have to steal to yeah live? exactly um and that's kind of like the first thing <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, one example was in uh, was it Venezuela where they had prison systems, but they didn't have enough money to feed the prisoners. So like, tons of prisoners died. Yeah, and I mean like, okay, they're in prison, so you might say, well, at least all the citizens aren't dying. These people did something wrong. Okay, like you know, we just don't have resources to feed our people. Never mind prisoners. Okay, yeah. well, how many of them uh, were political prisoners? Yeah, well, that's another question, right? But yeah, still. So that's one example. The other one uh, we should talk about this is price caps. Yeah. Right. So um, I think that's what you mentioned. Um, so why would the government want to do that? Well, because if you can see that the price of bread is like doubling every day, you just be like, hey, you greedy bread producers, like stop that. Yeah. So that people can afford to have bread. Yeah. Like it's people pointing the finger at the companies who make the stuff. Yeah, and sell which, it rather than sound kind of familiar. <laughs> <laughs> These greedy grocers. <laughs> Anyways, for another uh, episode. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're not. I mean, the if the inputs. Um, for these producers is is going like the cost of their yeah. inputs is going up. Obviously, the price of uh, their output is going to increase as well, right? Yeah, and what? So what might? a uh, government might think would be a solution is, hey, we're going to cap the price. So therefore, like the essentials won't be more expensive so everybody can afford them. Yeah. But if hyperinflation is taken over and like everything else is going up, right? The companies are not incentivized to produce this stuff. Like, in fact, they're not even able to, right? If you can't, yep. if you can't afford to buy the raw materials and pay the people to put it together and ship it to the store and put it on the shelves, then you're not going to do it because... Yeah. you just can't right yeah so you stop producing yeah. so now so the minute you of... cap the price it gets even worse because now all of those things that you cap the price on don't exist in the stores like they're not yeah. available at least before they were there yeah and getting it was one thing but yeah. now they just don't exist yeah and then people don't have jobs so they also can't <laughs> pay for, like you could just see how uh... it, how it uh... <laughs> another one is energy so like if you rely on electricity, like probably every single person yep. right now, modern day, um, if that's intermittent or not available for large portions of the day or whatever, right? Like you can see how uh, your life could be significantly interrupted. Yeah. Um, you know, even, even just the fact that there's uncertainty about it, because I think that too, right? Like we have an office, we come here and we're like, we work, right? But if I knew the electricity was going to go out for a couple hours at like 12 to 2 or something, I would just, okay, well, I'll take an extended lunch. Maybe I'll do some other uh, stuff, right? Go on the road, make a few sales calls or whatever, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. I'm going to come back after the electricity is back on, right? But if it's like, surprise, you don't have electricity, like production and productivity goes way down, right? Because yeah. like, how can you plan out your life if you're, you know, unexpectedly interrupted by no electricity? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's if you're, I don't know, you're working at a quarry or something. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you know. There's a lot I don't know. <clears throat> um, but we have such a specialized economy yeah. that when you interrupt some of these things like electricity, yeah. well, all of a sudden everybody who works in like information yeah. technology. The guy who's coding that one yeah. thing that you need for that one app that you never use. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But he's really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Him. Um, yeah. And all <laughs> Sorry of a sudden, to anybody who's just working on coding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, all of a sudden, and like some of these things are necessary. Maybe that guy's writing an app to uh, to help balance the you know the power grid, yeah, power distribution, or to make the 
the computers that run our sewage plants yeah. um, more efficient. Or yeah. You might not notice that your water is getting contaminated until yeah. it's too late. <laughs> right? Or, yeah, the electricity goes out or, you know, all these kind of things. We're so reliant on that that just one small interruption yeah. has big consequences. Yeah. And, um, and then... I think another thing too that happens is if, if things are all of a sudden going up in price, like people will pivot away from buying stuff, right? Like you said, they don't have a job. There might be price caps. So there's not even stuff on the store. Like now all of a sudden you got to find alternatives. So you're pivoting away to like uh, barter direct yeah. exchange again. Right. So you're kind of going back in time, like what we talked about earlier uh, last episode about, you know, primitive forms of exchange trading actual objects to people. Right. You just totally abandon the whole monetary system and the whole monetary technology of the day, and yep. you're pivoting back to barter because at least a cow is still a cow, <laughs> right? And yep. it has utility, has value, and it holds its value because it's not, you know, not all of a sudden like I come back to my barn later and there's half a cow. I mean, in hyperinflation, somebody very well could happen could, could cut it up and eat <laughs> half of it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and what you have is is people um, just buying anything. Any kind of hard asset or any tangible asset, right? Yeah. I think uh, Tom Karadz has, has mentioned this a few times, right? In, in the former Yugoslavia, um, when they had their uh, hyperinflation, people would just go, like, buy anything. Yeah. And th this happened in, in other places too, right? As soon as you get paid, you rush out. Like, you, <laughs> like never mind your job. I got paid. I'm gone. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to go to the bank because the bank is probably closed anyways. So, and there's no point putting it in there because this money is going to be worth less tomorrow. So I'm going to go buy yeah. a washing machine. Yeah. Or I'm going to buy like anything that I can buy that um, will probably keep its value yeah. more so than so the money. So that sense of urgency and like absolute ridiculousness yeah. <laughs> happens in hyperinflation, right? But the same sort of thing mm -hmm. also happens on a minimized scale uh, during inflation, right? Because like if you're, if you're like the pain is just on a different level, I guess. Yeah. Right. So with inflation, it's, you know, okay, the pain's there, but I got a month, right? You know, I got a year to figure this out. I don't need to take action now because you know what? the money's not going to lose that much value and I still have a job. So like, it's not that bad. Uh, hyperinflation. It's like amp that up. Like, no, a year's inflation. It happened in a day. So now you need to go out and take action right away. Yeah. Um, but so to point it to today, right? Like we, we might not be experiencing hyperinflation and we mentioned conspiracy theories. Like we don't know whether or not we will or whatever, like we can kind of make predictions, but we are experiencing inflation and it's built into the system. So, and I told you I wasn't going to talk about this. <laughs> so maybe I'll stop. <laughs> but you can see that people actually do purchase, like you still do purchase yeah. things with an eye for storing the value, right? Yeah, real estate is yeah. a prime example, right? Oh, Which, yeah. Like, That's why I'm doing this. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> see? <laughs> a real estate podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, real estate's a good example because people just... Uh, intrinsically Why know we talk that about this? Why don't we go buy a house <laughs> before quick, before, the, <laughs> before the price goes up? Well, you kind of saw a little bit of that in, uh, during COVID, right? Yeah. Prices yeah. There was a bit crazy. of a, people had that frenzy like, Oh, we got to buy one. I got to buy one. Yeah. Well, the price goes up because the price kept going up. Yeah. And then eventually it stopped, but you can see how you get that cycle it just gets worse and worse and worse yeah. until eventually it stops. And, um, yeah, and with hyperinflation, right? If it, if that kicks in, if all of a sudden it hyperinflates away, like people lose confidence at a certain point, right? And yeah. just like, um, you know, the, the yeah, I just I don't trust this whole system. It's gonna fail, and I just have you kind of get primal. It's like I need food, I need water, I need to do the things that keep my family. Yeah, and your community becomes like really important, right? Because um, you know you can't trust the government in the next province over who's you know, articulating to the whole country what's going on. Um, you got to actually uh, provide for your family every day. You need to eat still. Yeah, and so, how do you have any trust in institutions like law enforcement? Are they yeah. going to be there? Yeah. Well, maybe they're not getting paid, so they got to go do something else yeah, to find food for be their in family. Well, the government, the government yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about any institutions the that they run, yeah. the people there. They don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, if it comes down to, like, you know, serving the public or feeding your family... Yeah. People are going to choose feeding their family. Yeah. Right? 
So one thing to note too is when this happens, it's quite important to um, hold foreign currencies or hold other assets, right? Like we talk about buying things, that's what people yeah. would do, but they wouldn't necessarily have to go out and buy a washing machine or whatever else if they already held you know, a good percentage of their wealth in a more stable currency. So we see that too, right? Yeah, I mean, like often when you have the hyperinflation, the government is trying to do whatever they can. So they would stop convertibility of their money to other stop yeah. people from buying that yeah because that makes currency. it worse right all of yeah. a sudden like not only is it hyperinflating away but all the people who own, should own it are just selling it like crazy to try and get out of it and it's Which like makes who, it worth yeah, less who and wants less. <laughs> who wants this stuff yeah. i don't know i don't here's a wheelbarrow i'm gonna go buy <laughs> and eventually, just give me one canadian dollar yeah yeah and eventually what happens usually is that the the money system that country gets re-denominated to a different currency right or to a new one that they make up or something with but a that new completely value. destroys everyone's savings yeah if you had any cash any kind of savings it's gone yeah gone 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 right so if you had a hard asset yeah that kind of hits you right like shoot you've been working your whole life you saved up all this money yeah and you had it in the bank or whatever and now all of a sudden it's all gone <laughs> yeah yeah, and you're helpless because you can't even go to the bank to take it out because yeah. there would be withdrawal restrictions as well. Banks would be closed. Yeah. You have no credit extended And then, anymore. like you said, they shift to a different currency. There is none of that anymore. It doesn't exist. It's like, yeah. what are you giving me? Wasn't that an example where they had like a box at the bank teller and it was like you put all your bills in there and once it's full, like that equals so much. Of, yeah, and doesn't it doesn't matter, matter what bill. Yeah, it doesn't matter what bill. It's just like, give us your paper because we're going to recycle it. And like the value <laughs> of like whatever the recycled paper was worth equals what yeah, you get. Yeah, a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> One US dollar. <laughs> like that's ridiculous right yeah but it happens though and that's the thing right like we live in a society where it's like okay our government's pretty stable our, our banking system is quite stable. like canada has that right where the banking system is you know on a global scale we have a pretty stable banking system oh he's I rolling mean, his eyes <laughs> I, yes is it that obvious yeah i mean even our banks are regularly insolvent yeah we don't know it <coughs> uh, but that's con you know that's considered the gold standard of stability in uh, semi-regular bank world, insolvencies. Right? Yeah, as opposed yeah. to fully insolvent yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when we when I say insolvent, I, I just mean that their liabilities exceed their um, um, reserves. Like what they have? To pay yeah, for like the they, they owe more than they have. Yeah. Yeah, the, the words, yeah. words escape me. Yeah, because if you're insolvent personally and you think about that for a minute, you're like, I don't have enough money to pay my bills. Okay, I could probably tone down my bills quite quickly, right? Yeah. I'm just going to sell everything. I'm going to, you know, uh, get a really good paying job if I can and I'm going to live at, you know, my friend's house. And, you know, we're going to move our family in there, reduce expenses to zero, work as hard as you can. Okay, now we can start actually not being insolvent and make money. But when you scale it up to the government, <laughs> the government's like, yeah, by the way, we're going to reduce this. No, we can't reduce that. I need that program or I need that assistance exactly. or I need something, right? So you have all these other complications. It's yeah, not just as simple as like the, <laughs> the prime minister <laughs> going to his friend's house to sleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> he probably has, but yeah. And when I say insolvent, I don't mean that they're actually like out of business. It just means assets is the word I was looking for. Right. Um, their liabilities outweigh their assets, so right. that if someone were to call in all the liabilities yeah. at that point, they would not be able to meet their obligations. Yeah. Um, and we don't see that, but it happens regularly. And um, yeah, kind of nuts. A little bit nuts, oh, but uh, yeah. Okay, so that's. Uh, Hyperinflation. <laughs> Talked about that. Well, quite okay, a bit. Mark. This just kind of points to the fact that we really need sound money, right? Like we're so yeah. reliant on money for everything, and we just painted a picture for people like what happens when hyperinflation. Like, not saying we're there yet, but um, when that happens, this is what like you know people are going to have to deal with, right? And uh, you mentioned examples as recent as 2017. I don't know if there's been any other examples uh, since then, but um, like it's not out of the realm of possibility. And no. um, it just highlights, okay, how important it is to have money that actually works, right? 
And if it's broken, if it doesn't work, it's not sound, then we can expect to see uh, more inflation, more more things on this kind of scale, right? Like you won't, won't don't be surprised when, right? Um, all of these things happen. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I'm sure we're going to see more examples of hyperinflation. Um, Mark's got the popcorn ready. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Open the news. Oh, yeah. hyperinflation. Well, Let's it's not. That. It's sad, right? Because it's it's going to be again third world countries yeah. who have massive U.S. dollar denominated debt, typically. Yeah. That are gonna that this will happen to again. They just can't meet those obligations. They have to, uh, and then yeah, things go uh, things go awry. Um, as yeah, long as you, you have this massive imbalance, right? Yeah, and you mentioned kind of the division of labor earlier where we have such a specialized workforce. Like, yeah. We really do need sound money to build modern society on top of, right? Like, if you don't have that layer, then, uh, you know, as you build up and you get more specialized, um, you know, it, it just it just doesn't work, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, I so I don't think we've had sound money for a long time. For quite a long time, right? Yeah. People often point to the um, to 1971 when we went off the gold standard as like that Those people, defining moment. I think moment. that was us. I think we pointed to that. We, we have. I've changed my thinking on that a little bit. Um, it's before that. that was, it was a good marker. It was a good yeah. public like, oh, hey, this happened. But the, the actual not default. being on the gold, the default happened before then. Right. Right. It was the, the U.S. did not have enough gold. So it's almost like your bank. It. Yeah. It's almost like your bank insolvency example, right? Like the yeah. banks are insolvent for a long time, but they haven't been called out on it until all of a sudden there's a bank run. It's like, oh, by the way, you were insolvent. Yeah. Yeah. But I was for 40 years. You just didn't know about it. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Exactly. So, yeah, the, the gold standard was gone like after World War II. When they, yeah. they when they had Bretton Woods and when they, they had the conference and invented, you know, the the, the put everything on the US. Um, like they just they didn't have all the gold to match the uh, their liabilities at that yeah. time, right? And um, and it just boom exploded from there, right? Because you had not only um, the US, you know, issuing more dollars than they had, but then because the dollar was the reserve currency, you had like we talked about fractional reserve banking, right? Yeah. Where a bank can lend based on a, lend a, a much larger amount of money out than it has in reserve. And the same thing happened, right? The U.S. did that, but then that was multiplied by foreign exchange, the euro dollar we talked okay, about. Yeah, make this simple Other for banks, <laughs> well, so let's say the U.S. had $100 million in gold. They put yeah. out maybe a billion dollars in U.S. dollars. So right away, they're fractional reserve. Yeah, but then... Banks in Europe Took that would take dollars. some of this billion dollars and they would exponentially increase that as well because they're like, I have uh, $100 million in U.S. dollars. We can now issue... Loan a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, we'll loan a billion dollars based on that, right? Yeah. So it wasn't just the U.S. It was the... By the time it went All out... All the subsidiary... Euro dollar. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was out of control pretty quickly. Yeah, and global. So like now the whole world is... Yeah. Yeah, it's not just literally like there's a fractional reserve bank, a physical bank that doesn't have the gold that you want because you're holding this receipt that says I am entitled to one ounce of gold. It's now all of a sudden the countries of the world, all the central banks of the world have like an account with the central bank of the U.S. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we don't have any of your stuff. But and then they go to their countries and they're like, yeah, well, we don't have any of your stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a big and chain. Yeah, and, and that was out of the control of the U.S. too. Yeah, I think that I was the biggest that, thing. I was like, this is crazy. Man. The U.S. couldn't control it any longer, those those third-party markets, foreign exchange. And um, like the, it was just the realization that, like, wow, guys, like we kind of messed this up, but it really got out of control, and now yeah. we just have to say it. And that's what Nixon had to do in 71. Yeah, just make a big admission, and people were surprised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, it was it was bad for a long time before that. Yeah. And that's, um, that's a point that I've heard made before as well. I think um, maybe uh, Joey and Len have done it on the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, right? When you, you're looking at, like, the fall of Rome, right? That slow... It comes um, in every episode. Always, I, love, I love Rome. What can I say? <laughs> love that, uh, that time. But... Um, the, 
the citizens of Rome were really the last ones to kind of realize what was happening and that stuff was falling apart. People on the outskirts, people outside of the Roman Empire could see it happening. Yeah. And they could see that slow chipping away of the empire and like, you know, the reasons, like the decadence in Rome yeah. and the ridiculous uh, things that the emperors were spending money on and the debasement of the currency, all this stuff. But the people in Rome did not see it until... Until the, until the very end. Until the, like, you know, they had the, the Goths... Uh, not not a bunch of emo kids, but like <laughs> the actual Goths, the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths, these barbarians uh, at the doors of asterisk Rome. Yeah, Asterix and Obelix pounding yeah. on the doors of Rome and uh, sacking Rome, right? That was like yeah, the final but straw. They had but they potion, so there's not even a chance. <laughs> like no matter... <laughs> is that what we need? Maybe the potion is actually the magic just potion? code for like a really sound money, you know? Interesting. Like everybody take a little handful of pure gold, right? Now we have a good society. This sounds like a good academic yeah. paper, actually. The uh, <laughs> We were talking about writing book. Yeah, we should... so there you go. Asterix and I'm going to study magic for it this weekend and take out all a, the uh, As an analog for sound money. <laughs> Next okay, time we're for, gonna read. Okay, this is upcoming episodes. This is a good question. So, why does the government control their money, and should the government be in control of the money? Okay, right? well, this is going to be there's a two hard answers, one to right? argue. Like, should the government be in control? Yeah. You could say yes or no, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, are we supposed to argue about this? Because I don't think we can argue you and me. No, no, okay, I'll say yes. The government should. Okay, good Control luck. money. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I took the bad. Took the bad one on this. But yeah, government should control okay, money. It, first of all, is this a question that people think about, right? Like, does everyone wake up and they're driving to work and they're listening to the Two Stewards show and they're like, should the government control money? Right? Like, uh, you, mean, do you now, just take it for maybe. granted, right? That, yeah. Like, every government in the world controls the money, so therefore, like, we should, right? Yeah. But a- what we talked about last episode with, like, primitive monetary technologies, whatever, like, governments didn't control salt, necessarily, or... Cattle. They could control the production of it, but that's that is still a step away from actually yeah. controlling it <clears throat> yeah. completely. Yeah. Right? Unless they had the only salt mine in the world. Yeah. But it's not they like they're the only production. one birthing cattle and giving it yeah. to everybody. It's no, the cattle have cattle and yeah. I mean, know. yeah, we have hundred and sixty fiat currencies in the world and none of them like get along really. And yeah. and a lot of them, like the U.S. dollar, is pretty and how widely many accepted. Do but we have in the world, <laughs> yeah, like it's all different dollars you got to use when you go to different countries, right? Even if you the U.S. dollar is accepted for trade, um, you still can't generally go like I don't know, go to Europe and buy stuff and no. like go get a coffee in U.S. dollars. You got to buy it in francs or in yeah. whatever's right. Uh, but anyways, should the government control money? Yeah, people don't think about this, but maybe they should. And maybe they will after this episode, Brent. <laughs> maybe <laughs> they it, already but. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, some of the arguments for government controlling the money supply would be economic stability. Right. Right? They can keep everything kind of cool. And um, well, if they you're not relying on all different kinds of people to have all different kinds of money. We've got one uniform type of money. Right. So, so there's one. You, you can argue with me after. Uh, financial <laughs> regulation, it's important so that you don't have fraudsters doing Ponzi schemes yeah. and um, you know unregulated banks doing shady stuff, right? That, that's important. They're just regular banks doing shady stuff. <laughs> It's so hard for me to say this, Brent. I I'll mean, hold off my arguments <laughs> until the very end. Um, and then the government can also fund <laughs> important government operations, right? They can fund health care. They can take care of prisons. They can... Um, <laughs> you can't say this with a straight face, can you? I can't face, say it with you? a straight face, no. It's impossible for me. So those... We had to Google these, by the way. We had to come up with this list. I think we used ChatGPT for this part. Oh, man. It's like, list us. If you were to argue that the government should be in control of money, what would you say? And yeah. it only came up with three. Yeah. And then it said, no, et cetera. Et cetera. Uh, yeah, et cetera. ETC so dot. My, my final argument, Brent, yes. is et cetera. Okay. I would like you to combat that, sir. <laughs> so what's the argument against this? Like, why should the government not be in control of the money? And um, maybe, maybe our listeners actually... Would support that. I don't know, but you should text into the show or yeah. email into the show. We'll do a poll. Yeah. 
what you think. Okay. Um, and right. if you can come up with any good responses why they should, um, yeah, maybe give Mark a hand. Help out. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, the government should not be in control of the money. Oh, well. Um, one reason is, while there's a political dimension when the government's involved, right, there's political influence on the money supply. So it's really? not just like, well, if they can control it, now all of a sudden it's not like they could just um, – print it it's it's political right like you vote for these people or like it's political power so it's about um wielding this power over people and like it just makes a mess man do you, like do you think they could maybe i don't know come up with different contracts for services and then award it to their friends something <laughs> yeah. like that like they would I say Look, see that happening Brent. we need to build a bridge oh it's politically popular for <laughs> everybody in this area they want a bridge well i got voted in i'm gonna build the bridge and by the way my buddy i was a big concrete company and the bridge needs a billion dollars of concrete so uh good thing i control the money supply and i can just <laughs> call up my buddy and be like you want a contract yeah, that doesn't happen, though. No, that wouldn't happen. No. You wouldn't, like, make the need for some sort of, you know, public safety app and then award all the money to your buddies. No, no. Okay. not for a vaccine as as or anything happen. like that. Yeah, or, or travel. border control yeah. or, yeah. No. So okay. that's one thing, right? And then uh, inefficiency, right? Because bureaucracies uh, are quite efficient. If you've ever been in a bureaucracy... Uh, you know that are things are quite efficient. Yeah, they just flow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have a little bit of a counter okay. argument to this. Have right? you been in a bureaucracy? <laughs> yeah, um, no. Okay. No, I mean I've dealt with it, but um, that's why you're so inefficient. <laughs> See, you can't even tell me your arguments. <laughs> <laughs> My wife argued that I might be a little bit ADD, or ADHD. I uh, I don't know. It's probably because you surprised. drink so much Coke. <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay, but there is an argument to be had. Like, if we need government, you can make an argument for that, right? We need yeah. it for certain yeah, things, like 100%. to protect property rights yeah. would be one of them. Uh, but government, by nature, is going to be inefficient. Yeah. And so, as much as I hate bureaucracy and wasting money, I think we just need to accept that if you have a government, it's going to be inefficient. And it's yeah. not... Um, the problem is when it's so big. Right? Well, yeah, how big and how bloated and inefficient. Like, I don't know if yeah. you've, you, you've heard, um, what's his face, Vivek Ramaswamy? Oh, yeah. Um, in the States, yeah. right? And, like, he's not going to be elected, but his ideas are certainly interesting. He's running for president. He's not going to be elected because he doesn't like Airbnbs? And you're just not going to vote him? <laughs> no, no, I think he's fine with them. Okay. Um <laughs> No, but he's just like he doesn't have the clout and some of his ideas just make too much sense. But he's like, look, if I'm elected, I'm just going to cut 50% of federal government. Jobs, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, just we'll just be like, hey. Isn't that what happened here in the provincial government the one time with Tim Hudak? It was like a campaign promise for like 10,000 jobs going to be cut. (laughs) Or was it Mike? Was it Hudak or Harris? I don't know. I think both. Like, Hudak lost. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not a popular thing to. No. To, to say in Ontario for sure. Maybe more in the States. But he's like, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to fire 50% of federal government um, because like, if it's a mass layoff, yeah. there's some protections for federal uh, government employees. You can't just fire them, right? Yeah. But if it's a mass layoff, that's not protected. He's like, just everybody who's got a SIN number that is ends in like an odd number. <laughs> we'll fu- that's well, the criteria. How do, well, yeah. how, how do, do you pick? do it, right? Yeah. It's, we're not going to do anything based on merit or whatever. We're just going to cut half. And see what happens. That'd be funny if they did the sin number based on an odd number and turns out like everybody has an odd number. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if you want to see that play out, vote for uh, Vivek. Yeah. 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 But uh, it's just an example of like you're talking about the bloated bureaucracy, right? Um, Sorry, I'm in favor. I'm on the government side here, but like how bloated it can be that somebody can just say, we could fire half of the people. And you would still have And you'd still have, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, carry on. So, right? yeah, that's one reason why it would be great to uh, have the government in control of money. The other one is devaluation of currency, which is, like we talked about last time, devaluation of your time, right? Yeah. So all the citizens in the country, they all have one scarce resource, and that is time. And, of course, probably people value their time, right? And if you're going to spend it working, and then the government controls the money, and they can devalue it at will, 
at any time, that's not great. So that would be my argument against another reason why the government shouldn't be in control of money. And this is where we get the argument. We don't have to get into it here, but basically that inflation is theft. Right. And, uh, I mean, we'll just put it up to me to be able to chew on because that's quite a strong statement. Yeah. But it's gaining uh, gaining a lot of ground. Yeah. Anyways, carry on, Brent. Uh, lack of trust. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And to fund unnecessary wars. We just pulled out a bunch of random arguments here. Yeah. And, and like, the list could go so long. But if you think about, let's just use the war example, right? Uh, if the government controls the money supply. Mm-hmm. They, and the, like the key word there is unnecessary. Like you could fund a war if everybody in your country believed in it by like taxing the people and then just going to war, right? With yep. all that money. Yeah. And everybody you, cough up a hundred bucks. Yeah. We're, like whatever. we're selling war bonds. Everybody give, we're going to go to war. And the war would be necessary in the eyes of the people because they, they're willing to pay for it, right? They're sacrificing their time, their hard earned money, right? Which yep. is the value of like is the storage of the value of their time. Right, they're giving their time to this cause because they believe that maybe there's something unjust going on. That's uh, I don't know why you fight a war, but anyways. Well, you um, could be fighting off an invading exactly, uh, army, yeah. Right. So, so if it's politically popular and justified in people's minds, then they're willing to contribute to it, and then it's a it becomes I guess you would say a necessary war or a war that is publicly supported. But yeah. what we're talking about is a war where it's actually unnecessary or not politically popular and not supported by the people in the country, right? So the government decides, hey, you know what, today we're going to go to war with that country just because we want their stuff. I guess that's kind of a reason why we go to war. But because, you know, uh, like they, they invaded that other country, right? It's like, well, are we really involved in this? Or like, and you you should put the decision on the people that live in the country that are going to war, right? Like you should say, yeah. "Hey, uh, Canadians, uh, as a citizenry, do we really feel strongly about that other country invading that other country?" And then, like you know, fifty people put their hand up and give like a hundred bucks, and then they fly over in their, you know whatever 1940s airplane and they get about over newfoundland and then they run out of gas (laughs) right like the war is not going to happen right so but if you control the money supply ooh, like they currently do right and they have for quite some time uh they could very easily just pay for airplanes or pay for people and soldiers equipment and ammunition whatever it is right um, and it and, won't immediately impact everybody because nobody realizes what's yeah, happening. I didn't pay anything for this war, so it must be great. Yeah. Who's paying for it? I don't know. Let's go. Right? Yeah, that's not... So that's another reason why um, like, one of the ramifications of government being in control is that you have a more, like, a greater tendency for countries to go to war. Um, and there's other things we could talk about with this, too, because it's kind well, of... Well, this like is this, a big one. Yeah. Right? If you look at wars that are happening... Um, so there's a YouTube It's hard uh, to not look at movie. the wars that are happening because there's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, well, but then, like, I don't want to be this conspiracy theorist guy. I don't, actually, I don't care. I'll be a conspiracy <laughs> conspiracy theorist. Oh, uh, good. I'll um, be the guy who's sane. <laughs> yeah, you'd be that guy. Yeah. No, but I, I don't want to attribute, I don't know, everything to fiat currency. But, um, yeah, so a YouTube documentary, All Wars Are Bankers' Wars. Okay, I think you sent me this and I didn't watch it because I watched the first, and it's a conspiracy theory, and I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's, like most conspiracy theories have at least Actually, what I did is I took the link, and then I just said, you know what? I'm going to try and Google it, and I couldn't find it, and then I knew it was a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but most conspiracy theories at least have a grain of truth. If not, they are the outright truth, right? So... You know, the, the idea that um, all wars are bankers' wars, like, there's a little bit of something to that, right? It's not just the government, right? If the banks also are able to create money, they're like a secondary party in this. And yeah. then it's like, okay, follow the money. Not, then they're not neutral. Yeah, they're not neutral. If they yeah. have a vested interest. Yeah. And so Eisenhower talked about the military-industrial complex. Yeah. Right? This was like, a, you know, a serious guy. Or sorry, uh, Truman, Truman, um, and maybe Eisenhower talked about it too. They're contemporaries, but 
Like the you know president of the U.S. talking about this, not just some kook <laughs> in his basement saying, yeah. "Oh, there's a military-industrial complex." It's like, take right? Take your tinfoil hat off. Yeah, because <laughs> I've heard this before. I'm like, "Oh, whatever." But then you're like, "No, Truman was talking about this, and he felt yeah. necessary to combat this." And um, yeah, there's there's a lot of money to be made off a of war. Yeah, and if the government can just indiscriminately print money. Sorry, I've completely abandoned my pro-government <laughs> You're side. You're supposed to be on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I changed. I, I'm a turncoat. Um, we are never getting hired by the government. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> there goes that career path. Mark, you're just too efficient. I've <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, never been accused of being efficient. Um, but, yeah, you, you even talk about public sentiment, yeah. right? Like approval for wars. Well, it's a lot easier for me to approve a war if it doesn't really, if I don't have to pay for it. Like, I will through inflation, but I don't right. realize that. Yeah. Whereas if I actually am going to face a big tax increase, well, that may change my opinion. Yeah. Hypocritical as that may be of the necessity of this war. Like, yeah. you know, we don't really need this war if it's going to cost me another, you yeah. know, $10,000 Unless in it's something tax. you really believe in, right? Like, you're fighting for freedom and like... Yeah. Uh, something's but, in jeopardy. I'm going to uh, experience hardship for the sake of this cause. Yeah. yeah. But that's it's such an easy way for a government to do that. And so, yeah, we don't need to go. This yeah, is I just have one, one more reason. So should the government be in control of money? No. Uh, and the reason is, etc. Oh, so that I, is a compelling yeah, argument. We could keep going and going. But, <laughs> uh, you know, chat GPT only came up with five. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Brent, you've convinced me I'm on your side. I, I believe that the government should not have control of, uh, of okay. currency. And like, but why is it necessary? Like, what is, I mean, yeah, okay. I had some arguments for, right? Yeah. And like, they're pretty weak, yeah. I think. So like, just think about it though, if you're listening, right? Why does the government need to control the money supply? That should be something completely outside of the purview of the government. It should be an organic thing that happens. Yeah. And, you know, the people who are actually trading um, determine what's used for money and how that works. And the government, like, yeah, the government can exist. The government can tax. That's fine. There's services that we need. Like, I'm either, either, even in favor of... Um, I think universal health care, which a lot of, you know, in the States are like, oh, that's nonsense. Like, in a perfect world, I think that would be great. That's compassionate. Yeah. Right? I don't but mind. But it also has a cost. It has a cost, but I don't mind paying extra taxes yeah. to know that if you get cancer tomorrow, yeah. it's not financially, There's like, it's already devastating. there for you to access. But you're going to be covered. Yeah. Right? Not even thinking about, like, if I, if I get sick, what happens to me? But just to know that we have in this country... Right, and then that that those options and that safety net for people. Now, how it's implemented is you know, like is lousy, and we're headed towards two tier healthcare already, anyways. But you know, the idea of it, I can accept that. That's kind of a socialist, I guess, uh, idea. Yeah. But I like the idea if 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 I can give of my talents or my um, you know my labor. Yeah. The important help thing is that people. you're the one giving, right? Like you are realizing there's a cost you're prepared to pay for it yeah. and you do pay for it and you experience the pain, right? Yeah. Rather than the government doing it on your behalf and you not knowing there's pain and then feeling the pain later through inflation. Yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, yeah, the government screws everything up. It's, uh, I mean, <laughs> if you want to... the anti-government podcast before. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. If you boil it down into simple terms, right? You, you can... see a massive uptick in our listens if we start promoting, you know, the government. And then... Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't uh, know if I buy that. Um, well, you can point to some examples for when, like in, specific examples in history when the government interfered with money. Yeah. Um, like you talked about the Romans. We talked about um, like the Germans printing money for paying for reparations. Um, you know, we talked also about the the Gold Reserve Act where they confiscated gold. Yep. Right. And that was kind of like the historical chain of leading to, you know, severing the gold convertibility. Um, and then you get into like modern day with like quantitative easing. Right. And so what actually happens at all these, like there's so much stuff you can dive into here. Right. Yeah. Um, when, um, and, and the point that you made as like, why should the government, um, control the money supply, economic stability. Right. 
that that you can kind of in the short term you can kind of think that's a good thing right yeah um because i can debunk your argument because you say it's economic stability um yeah it might produce economic stability in the short term right because you can you can use quantitative easing for example to like stimulate economy Mm -hmm. and make uh you know basically dampen the recessions right because stability just means let's have a straight line up people like why are we all of a sudden like it's a super crazy time and then all of a sudden it's a recession right yeah like why can't we just chill out and everybody make you know a good amount of money and it just keeps growing and growing and like right so the government's like doing everything they can right and that's what we talked about too with the the mandate of the central bank is to have you know two percent inflation or whatever yeah. it is, right? Now they're now saying, well, it could be 3% or like, <laughs> well, maybe it should be. <laughs> but whatever that rate is, right? They want to maintain it. Um, yeah, I just, oh man. I'm devastated man. that you've debunked my argument, Brent. <laughs> I'm completely I had, so I had. They're trying a, to dampen out the highs and lows. We had this conversation with our children, not about uh, central banks. I do once in a while too. They okay. don't listen so much. Yeah. <laughs> no, but about life and about uh, how pain Ooh, and suffering deep. is necessary. Yeah. And it's a part of life and it builds your character. And we have such. Now get in the car. <laughs> <laughs> we are late for church. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, do the dishes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, but we have the. It's almost just accepted. This is a little more philosophical. But when you're talking about central banks and why should governments have control of money, right? So that the argument yeah. of economic stability, because we could never feel any pain, that would be terrible, yeah. right? Like, is that right? Yeah. Where does this idea come from? I would argue that's sort of a Marxist thing where we want to control everything to get to utopia and everything is wonderful and awesome all the time. No suffering. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going to have pain in this life because it's It's a fallen world. It's a fallen world. (laughs) And um, like suffering produces uh, character Yeah. or perseverance and perseverance produces character. Yeah. Right. I mean. Yeah, so, so we should that, write that's a, a biblical to, text. Uh, we should write a which letter. applies to like your faith journey, but I think it also has practical implications. Yeah, and people have talked about this: how if you don't have any suffering, we in should your life, write a letter. To you're not Tiff. resilient. <laughs> Sorry, write a letter to Tiff. You know, hey Tiff, suffering <laughs> produces. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of perseverance being produced right now, right? Yeah, yeah. With uh, rates the way they are, <laughs> but I'm just saying it's it's a way of thinking. We don't often. You don't really, we're talking about money, like, you know, yeah. dollars. You know what, about the toonies. rates being high and people suffering, I feel like there's a good number of people who are like, they're suffering, but they know it's temporary, right? So like, they quote, hope it's temporary. Yeah, yeah, but like in their head, they're like, I'm calling their bluff. I think the rates are going to come down because they can't really stay high for long. Yeah. So I'm going to bear this pain, but it's it's not like in your example, it's not really producing the character. It's just yeah whatever like you know take a bit from me because everybody's getting hit with this i'm just gonna wait it out until like you know your pain gets so big that you change your mind yeah and uh i think that's kind of what's going on (laughs) (laughs) no you're probably right yeah you're probably right but i'm just speaking in more broad uh broad terms right why why we should have stability yeah i don't know and like in a free market you don't have like you have you know overall stability but there's yeah. ups and downs yeah and like why are we so, so and afraid then one of other example it's more recent obviously the trucker convoy where they froze bank accounts right yeah this is talking, oh they froze bank accounts like not a big deal but like that only really happens if you can control that right yeah like otherwise it's not an option right you can't just go in and like you know everybody stop giving each other valuable objects you know for stuff right but if you start freezing bank accounts it's because they're you know governed by the government or they have access to that information and that um, technology and they can stop that right so yeah this i so i think a lot of people don't realize how like what an incredibly important event that was whatever side of the trucker convoy debate you stand on yeah for me this was like i need to get my money my capital out of canada yeah. Because this government is willing to do that for someone they, you know, they they disagree with on. Yeah. And not like, you know, a terrorist organization, let's freeze their funds. I yeah. mean, you can argue, I mean, you can't argue that this was a terrorist organization. Like, come on, get out of here. <laughs> um, 
But it, I don't know for for me and and for a lot of people that I've talked to as well. There and people outside of Canada again. The people when you're in yeah, it, you yeah. don't realize same it. thing like Rome. Right? It's like yeah, they had to do something, so yeah, just it do was this. Ridiculous. It was like, they were honking their horns really loud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but even if you believe that it was illegal or obnoxious yeah, or whatever, like yeah. freezing bank accounts of people, even people who donated, who it's funded, almost like a little flex from the government. It's like, hey guys, we it's can a freeze. huge flex. Yeah. Like, we have this power, and we will mandate speech, and we will mandate your behavior, and if you yeah. disagree with us, we well, are going to... Flip the switch. Flip the switch and remove, like, remove all everything and you've worked for. And that goes back to, like, what is money to begin with, right? Like, yeah. why are we using this stuff? <laughs> like, we're using it because we want to store our value into the future so that we can yeah. buy things with it in the future, right? Or, like, at least save it. And it doesn't necessarily even have to grow in value. It just has to save. Yeah. But if you're doing that in a technology that can just be like, doot, doot, you know, flicked yeah. on and off by someone at their whim, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, and if you, you know. What other, yeah. <laughs> well, no, if you think about, like, what is the function of government? The function of government essentially is to protect protect property rights. And we're speaking sort of a secular um, secular terms here, right? You can argue as a Christian, the function of the government is to perform, have justice, perform yeah. justice. Like, yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, uh, more secularly speaking, their, their job really is just to protect individual property rights. So when the government violates property rights by stealing or freezing access to that property, um, that's such a fundamental, flagrant violation of, of you know, I'm not big doing. on human rights, but of your <laughs> rights, of what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, that people around the world are like appalled. Yeah. So people in Canada might be on either side of the argument and yeah. for various reasons. But yeah, if you zoom out in the context of the world, you've heard so many podcasts and books and stuff reference that event as being like, oh, okay. Like, to me, I'm like, well, whatever. It was just some people who were, you know, got their bank accounts frozen, like, yeah. Like, the what? <laughs> Their personal wealth was like you know not accessible to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at the whim of the government. Yeah. Well, and, and then that's another conversation we could talk about. What we touched on last time, yeah. CBDCs, right? Yeah. So just that's one other example that we could probably look like forward to and expect, right? Because there's there's a lot more talk about this, and a lot more countries trying it out, right? Like it's coming to. Uh, a country near you a country near you and hopefully not <laughs> too near you right yeah and there's again there's a broader um question here about centralization of power yeah right we we were just on the uh uh the rockstar um your podcast. life your terms show yeah and we talked about you know the reformation and and a bunch of other things about how you know, generally when you have power become centralized and crystallized in the hands of a few, it becomes corrupted. Yeah. And uh perfect I, example was the Roman Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Where it was the, it was the power broker. It had all the power and the power to, you know, to uh, grant salvation even, yeah. right? Which is absolutely not right. <laughs> so you had the Reformation, you had decentralization come. And uh, I think the same thing applies to our money. For it to be so centralized in the control of the hands of the government is uh, like, no. Yeah, the power goes wrong. there, then it corrupts in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we need it, right? Like, uh, this is kind we need of what? money, right? So, oh, okay. you, yeah, you need centralization of power, Mark. <laughs> like Brett, you need that's that. it. Yeah. Coming across the table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have that after. We'll have a big arm wrestle or something. Okay. But no, we need money. And this is like, you, you say, Twister. oh, we need money. Yeah, I need Twister. money. Yeah, like, we got to. But um, you, people, this is the problem we started the series off with, right? Like, you start with this problem that persists all throughout human societies for all time like you need to be able to store your value and like store your time in something right yeah. and you pick things and when the government mandates it and then when everyone uses it and then when they control it and they manipulate it and then when they freeze it it's like okay are we are we getting what we you know need here or is there something else that we can look at or whatever like what else can we do and what should we do <laughs> Like, you kind of feel helpless, right? <laughs> yeah. I think we're just painting this picture of utter helplessness for people. <laughs> and we're not giving any solutions. No. So, hey, that's what we do. Uh, just, uh, make, we just depress people. Yeah. So I think next time maybe we talk about, like, 
maybe another thought experiment on what the world would look like if we had better yeah. money. Just as an example, yeah. like, okay, we've got this. This is where we're at. We've looked at all like different historical examples. Okay, what would it be like if the money was actually sound? Or probably like that. That would be a good thing to think about, right? Yeah. What would the world look like? What would happen? Yeah, and that's uh, people have have done this, and it's so. Yeah, some of the stuff is so out there; it's hard to imagine. But yeah, we should do that. And I mean, if you're listening, if you're still listening, congratulations. But um, we're we're sort of coming up with some problems here and not really presenting any solutions. We will get there, folks, eventually, right? But we 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 absolutely want to underscore um, the importance of sound money, the fact that we don't have sound money right now. Uh, what would it look like if we had sound money? And then. Is there a solution? Yeah. Like a Band-Aid solution is real estate, and we keep coming back to this, right? Yeah. But it's also very much a Band-Aid because it's it's still within, like it's it's external in the sense that you're not actually holding currency, yeah. right? So, um, and you're, you, what you're doing is you're using the debt to your advantage, right? Like you're, you're, you're playing the government's game, like you're accessing uh, inflation, and you're yeah. holding an asset that's scarce, it can't be produced, but it's still not the best money, right? And we talked about this before too, right? Like a house is not something you can just easily sell or liquidate quickly, like yeah. it's not scalable, it's not portable. So it's not really money, but it's being monetized. So then um, it, it's starting to kind of become money, but it's still a sitting duck for taxation, um, you know, all these different regulations. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very much like it could be expropriated or confiscated or whatever, right? Like it, it's subject to zoning regulations and controls various things. Right. So it may be better than currency, like holding dollars for some things. Yeah. Right. And it may have a long road to go yet in terms of like building uh, wealth. And that's why we're both running companies in this space, like trying to, you know, get people into this because it's like actually something we believe in, but yep. um, it's really not necessarily the solution. And no. we obviously know in this life, like there is no perfect um, solution, but I think next time we'll talk about, we'll try and ideate a little bit about what it would look like if there was perfect or I don't say perfect, but sound, sound money, money yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All yeah, right. Let's leave it there till next time. Cool. Well, Brent, what do you always say till next time? Steward your wealth wisely. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Two Stewards Show. If you like my voice better, click subscribe. And if you like my voice better, click share. If you like both, give us a five-star rating. To interact with the show, feel free to reach out at hello at twostewards.ca. We'll see you in the next episode. In the meantime, steward your wealth wisely. <laughs>